Thought Bubble Audio. It's the Everwood Pinecast, Everwood's only independent weekly podcast. I'm Kirsty. And I'm Kelsey. I wasn't there the first time Kelsey watched Everwood and her life changed forever. But I've seen it enough times to be able to podcast about it. Welcome to the Everwood Pinecast. This Welcome week, back. Oh, <laughs> this week we're doing episodes 10, 11, 12, and 13. That's a big, yeah. big boy. A big old four episode set. And I think this is our halfway mark, too. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Lots to discuss. Lots going on here. And also a fair amount of treading water, I think, going on here, which is yep. interesting. I texted this to you in slightly stronger wording, but there are certain plots that I think they sat on for too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the other thing that I just looked up and confirmed is that uh, we have a long time span in viewing time Yes, with these episodes, so... Episode 10 aired in November, and the last three aired in January, back in the day. So yep. so they went on holiday hiatus, and wow, yeah, did they really take some time to reorient us? They did. Mm-hmm. But that really did answer some questions I had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, I do think this, as I experienced, would have been hard to watch, like, in a week- week to week back to back why because it's exhausting it's like being on an infinite treadmill of the abbott family's coping skills (laughs) (laughs) lack thereof yeah that's fair like being haunted by the ghost of a disembodied woman's voice just quietly saying but you're 16 Wow, yeah. So, my goodness. Um, <laughs> I feel like that answers my question that I have every week of what were your initial reactions uh-huh. to that here. My initial reaction was a lot of eye rolling. And then I have a few things that I'll yell about when we sort of get to the end of this block, because I think I think there's like a couple of missed opportunities, a couple of things that like I'm disappointed by seeing both repeated and seeing not happen. Mm-hmm. And then I think in general, like the recurring theme, I guess, is just recurring themes. Like this whole block is just the mm-hmm. same, like mm-hmm. handful mm-hmm. of things just being recycled over and over and over again. Yes. Like agreed. We just watched Dune the other night. And <laughs> in Dune, they have these suits that like trap your body moisture and recycle it into drinking water. I feel like these four episodes of Everwood <laughs> are the body moisture suits from Dune. Um, can't wait to not explore that any further. <laughs> um, let's just let's just roll in. I have some questions for you at the end to okay, cool um, to tee us up with this middle point. So. My husband just corrected me from the other room with the name of the suits. 
<laughs> this isn't a dude podcast. <laughs> so episode 10 is called Unhappy Holidays, and it is one of the fine gifts that we tend to get with network television, which is a special holiday episode mm-hmm. about Thanksgiving. And the narration tells us, or Jesus tells us, <laughs> the holidays are a time for surprises in boxes and in our hearts. And not all surprises are good ones. Yikes. I gotta give it to you there, Herb Jesus. You're not wrong. <laughs> so, I guess I'll just start off with Andy Brown, who... <laughs> Finds himself in a closet. Having just, I think, maybe the worst day. Having the worst day. It's maybe the most I've, <laughs> most sympathy I've ever had for Dr. Brown, I think. <laughs> so Dr. Brown comes home with a bunch of Christmas presents and, or Hanukkah presents, and he starts to put them in the, in the gift closet, and he hears the door open, and it's Ephraim and Madison, and oh, he hides God. in the closet. And then he witnesses no. his adolescent child try and flirt. Oh my God! <laughs> Which no one, no one should be subjected to, but certainly not your father. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> and he gets very upset about this. Clearly, yeah. And so he stumbles out of the closet, and he says, "This is over now." And thus begins, like, a whole thing. He gets in a big fight with Ephraim over this because he, he's like, you have to end this relationship. And Ephraim says it's not his business. And he says, I think aiding and abetting a felony makes it my business. <laughs> Which, like, I just want to emphasize right here and now how this could not be on TV today yeah. in this framing. No, absolutely not. Uh, you know, I might be jumping ahead. We're going to get to this. Jump I, ahead. Do it. What I, so I want to say two things. Number one, I'm going to have a lot of complaints about the parenting mm-hmm. in this block of episodes. But number two, the thing that frustrated me so much about adding Andy to the mix in the storyline is that at no point is the show making it clear that Andy is actually right about this. The show tries to spin it like it's like more complex or something. Like the show never seems to take a stance that like, this is not okay. And that it's reasonable for the adult in Ephraim's life to be concerned about him dating a 20 year old. I think this is the issue with this show trying to be like a teen drama. Mm -hmm. And also be a, like, family drama. Right. Because not everything the teens are doing is supposed to be okay. Just because we're rooting for the teen doesn't mean we should be allowing them (laughs) to do nonsense. (laughs) Kirstie is here to parent. I'm going to parent Ephraim. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely played as, like, too cute. Way too cute. And then, I, I don't know if we get to this in this episode or the next, but then there's a, a critical decision that's made where it's like, no, 
the choice that gets made that's like the plot twist on this is so unacceptable. Yes, I think that is in this episode, so we'll get there. We'll get there. So that's a whole thing. Andy doesn't want to fire Madison because it would impact Delia. So Madison's still employed by the Browns. Let's add in the layer of employment just to make it really yucky. So I'm just going to follow this one through to some degree. Um, (laughs) There's like a series of scenes that are all the same, which is like Ephraim trying to get Madison to still date him. Ephraim trying to get his dad to let him still date her. He has this like conversation with Madison about her saying she can't be with him. And he's like, can't. Or don't. Oh which, my god. You know, whatever. It's a whole thing. And Madison makes Thanksgiving dinner for them, which again, like, cool job, Madison. Really great. Well, she was gonna, like, stay for dinner, but the but, drama. Yeah. She quits. And Ephraim gets mad at Andy. He says it's his fault. Then they end up getting back together. (laughs) They decide that what they have is special and different. And they get it. They get that it's a real thing. Which is also infuriating because of the game of ping pong that we're going to play for the following Mm -hmm. three episodes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like, so special that you're going to spend every minute of your relationship wondering if you're actually in one or not. Right. So next track I'm going to take us down is the Abbott household. Oh boy. Which, God bless, because Kirstie broke the embargo and alerted us that we had a very special guest star. <laughs> I was so excited. I was too, and I did not remember this at all. Yeah. Our special guest star was Betty White. <laughs> Y'all, I am never mad to watch Betty White walk into frame never mad and she's she's just doing her best work i don't need celebrity cameos like they are not my jam but betty white walked in and i was like betty white (laughs) i do want to know like what's up with the guest star process on everwood where we're only bringing in like elders Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i'm not mad not mad at all yeah Betty White's there, and she is playing Rose's incredibly toxic and passive-aggressive mother. Yes. And we've talked about this in our other podcast with certain actors like January Jones, but there are some mm-hmm. people who are just made to be a certain kind of, like, dry, toxic, bad person. Yep. And Betty White plays it so straight and so good. So, 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 so good. Yeah. It was the only storyline in this whole episode that I was, like, truly bought into. Oh, I was here for it. I would watch more of it. Yep. Yeah, if they wanted to make her a recurring character, I'd be so into it. Yeah. For our spinoff show, Everybody Loves Harry. (laughs) God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, so the the in-laws are in town for Thanksgiving. She's just got a million little zingers, and she just really adds a lot of color to Thanksgiving. And so there's this whole thing with Amy and Tommy. Now they're dating. Amy invites Tommy to Thanksgiving. 
and the abbots are like rattled because Bright tells them all that Tommy's a drug addict. And Tommy comes to Thanksgiving and Harold just like goes for him. And he asks him all these like truly inappropriate questions Mm -hmm. and makes Tommy leave. So then he and Amy get in this huge blowout fight at dinner um, where Harold says that Amy's grounded. He's like, you're not actually depressed. You're just like intentionally doing all this to Mm -hmm. us. And Amy tells him that she hates her life and wishes she was dead. And then we find, (laughs) so at the culmination of this point, (laughs) Andy is fighting with his children. (laughs) Harold is fighting with his children. So we get our favorite thing. Yes. (laughs) Which is Harold and Andy bro time. Yep. And the thing I didn't mention, (laughs) because I'm going to scream about it. (laughs) Oh my god. I like... (laughs) Even though I've seen this in the outline, I still blocked it out of my memory so aggressively. And now the screaming is really bubbling back up. What I didn't mention is that we have a patient of the week and it's Thanksgiving themed because it's concerning the indigenous population that we never once heard about before and we'll probably never hear about again. No. Thank you, Everwood. (laughs) There's like a straight up reservation in Everwood. Yep. Apparently. Obviously. Apparently. Apparently. Obviously, Andy has been running a free clinic and hasn't been to the reservation once, which honestly, given tracks, (laughs) given things that does track. (laughs) It does track. However, he doesn't even know that there's a casino. Yeah. He doesn't know anything about this. This is like a whole new world to him. Everything that comes next is incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> so his patient of the week is an adolescent boy who does the firewalk. He's practicing for the firewalk. And Andy Brown goes on this like whole mission leading up to Thanksgiving to tell everyone on the res that the firewalk is dangerous. And he's like, I know best about danger and your culture and don't do this. If this were my kid, I wouldn't do this. He tries to make this speech at one point where he's like, who am I to talk about this, like, tradition of your people? And it's like, okay, but you're going to continue to do so. So we could have just skipped that. Right. So he fails at telling him that this is dangerous. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Harold and Andy end up at the bar on Thanksgiving night. They're both in the doghouse. And they're like, you know what we could do? We could go to the casino. <laughs> so Andy has this whole talk with the father of the the native boy. Is that, is that appropriate? <laughs> <laughs> the patient of the week's father. Yes. And this man does this whole storytelling moment where he's like, I would be failing my kid by not letting him do this dangerous thing. And it makes me like a better father because I'm letting my kid grow up into like a man. Yeah. He says something about this being a moment that prepares his 
son to become a man. But and then he follows it up with some prophetic line about how it's like also preparing him to be the father of a man. Yeah. And Andy takes this as instruction (laughs) for his own situation, which is quite different. I want to point out. (laughs) Yes. These two things like child participating in culturally informed coming of age ceremony versus teenage boy wants to bang the babysitter who's an adult who's a who's a grown person yeah yeah these two things are not the same they're not the same but it was a nice try such a nice try so while that's happening harold is losing seven thousand dollars at the casino (laughs) (laughs) which is like harold hijinks to the nth degree (laughs) and rose gets so mad at him about this obviously and he goes indians on thanksgiving i should have known (sighs) like help gross help who was that one for help yeah big help yeah big help big help so betty white just goes off on harold because of all this because at the same time we learn that Amy's run away. So there's like a lot of drama happening. And Rose tells her off. Is this the same time? I don't care. It's, you're a little out of order, but you're in the right time. So so Betty White tries to say something about Harold. And Rose whips around and tears her a new one. Because she's like, you don't know how good of a father and husband he is. And blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so they join forces to kick Betty White out. And so as they're going through the process of kicking her out, and also the grandfather comes in at one point and is like, they're right. You're a terrible person. Yeah. (laughs) Which is like also a nice addition. But as they're like going through the steps of kicking her out, they go up to Amy's room to knock on her door to be like, come say goodbye to your grandmother. And she's refusing to come out. So they get mad at her and then they jam the door open and discover she's run away. And this is the first little glimmer that we're getting some stuff for Rose to do. Finally, that moment where Rose, like, whips around to, like, go off on yeah. Betty White, I was yeah. like, girl, do it. Burn them down. Burn them all down. Burn down every single one of them. <laughs> it's so earned. Yes. It feels like we've all been waiting for her to just snap, and I'm really happy I think I've complained about it before, because there's all these episodes where, like, she's trying to tell Harold that she needs things, mm-hmm. and he does Harold hijinks to, like, get out of it. Like, get out of couples therapy, get out of going on dates with her, like, get out of showing any kind of, like, reciprocity as a partner. Yeah. And then she just kind of sits back and is like, all right. But then they insist on putting her in the main cast continually. So I have, this whole time, have been like, nobody needs this, like, useless trophy wife for Harold. Mm Mm-hmm. He hasn't earned it, frankly. And if she's going to be there, they might as well do something with her. I would like to give them the benefit of the doubt that this was, like, a seed planted long ago, but I don't know that it was. I really don't. I feel like it was, like, they got to know that actress and were like, let's give you stuff to do. Yeah. Which, I'm not mad. Yeah. But just wish it happened sooner. There's so many things on the show that are slow burns for no good reason, and Rose Mm -hmm. is one of them. Yeah. So... 
Anyway, Amy's gone. All the cops come. They have an Amber Alert out for Amy. That's it for this. Can I also tell you one of my favorite dramatic moments from this episode? Yes, please. Yes, Because it's please. on. It's how the episode ends, and it's on this track. So yeah. they have all the cops, every law enforcement yeah. between Everwood and Denver's in their living room. And they're all talking about Amy. And um, they're talking about how she could have gone somewhere or whatever. And I can't remember what it is that... Harold or Rose says, but someone says something to them, and then the dude calls in a code to his dispatch. <laughs> yep. And Harold or Rose, one of them is like, what's that? And he whips around, and he goes, missing child. And then Harold, like, puts his hand on Rose's shoulder and turns his head away. She, like, puts her hand on her mouth and gasps. And it's like, guys, <laughs> you, you reported her missing. <laughs> The only thing going through my head was that that moment from Parks and Rec where that guy yells, she drove me here. She drove me. (laughs) Do you know, I have she drove me here written in my notes for an entirely different thing. (laughs) Huge she drove me here energy. Truly. block of episodes. Truly. Oh my god. Um, and then they play that moment again in the recap for the next episode. Yeah. And I like watched it because I was like, certainly Tom Amanda's acting was not as dramatic as I remembered it. And it was even <laughs> more dramatic <laughs> than I remember. Of course it was. He's like, 1039 Amber? What's that mean? Missing child. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so speaking of children, Ephraim, a child, tells Andy that he's going to keep seeing Madison, and Andy's like, cool, 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 do it. Yeah, Andy's takeaway from the night at the casino was that he can't make Ephraim not see Madison, and he can't stop him from making this mistake, so he just has to let him. Right. And... He does take it upon himself to corner Madison at work and be like, he's just a small, fragile baby boy. (laughs) He's like, do you remember your first love? And she gets all like blushy and she's like, oh, yes. And then he just looks at her meaningfully. He's like, do you remember how it ended? (laughs) (laughs) You may think he's a man, but he's just a boy. Like, pick a lane. Pick a lane. This is this is why I'm, like, so annoyed, because the show isn't saying that it's wrong. It's not like the show is like, Ephraim's mm-hmm. doing this and this is a bad idea. The show is like, it's ambiguous. Everybody has to go on this journey together. Mm-hmm. let's see where this goes we're and th- all gonna go on this journey <laughs> we're all gonna go and then madison says something like maybe i'm just naive enough to think it's gonna work out and it's like girl no no <laughs> we've all seen a television before <laughs> not a single person thinks this no. so stop wasting our time <sighs> yeah i cannot imagine as a 20 year old woman looking at a 16 year old boy and being oh. like this could work out. On what planet? On what planet? 
honestly, if she is that interested, that's a huge red flag. That, yeah. 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 I, there's, it's going to come up so many more times in the next few episodes, but like, there are so many things that 16 year olds just like don't know that 20 year olds do where it would be like being around a 16 year old would be like, oh, gross. Try again. Go away. (laughs) I was talking to one of my high school friends today and we were talking about whether or not we'd ever been back to our high school. And I was saying that I had a friend who was a senior when I was a freshman in college and he like made me come back one day when I was in town. So I spent literally like 10 minutes in my old high school and I got the heebies and had to like leave. (laughs) I couldn't do it. I could not do it. Yeah. And that was the difference between 18 and 17. Truly. Like, ugh. 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 Um, so last thing here is that we have a little countdown to Christmas special. Um, God. Where Delia and Andy go tree shopping, and they run into Linda at the tree farm, and snow starts to fall, and so Andy and Linda make out, and Delia sees She's, like, standing creepily behind a tree and just, like, gives him a death stare. Yeah. It is very creepy. Very creepy. So that's that episode. (sighs) It's a big one. That was a full page notes. The other ones are not full page notes. No, the other ones are not this juicy. No. For better or for worse. Yeah. So episode 11 is called Family Dynamics and Herb Jesus says, hold on. I will find it. Well, the only thing we really get out of Herb Jesus is we've all made promises to people we love, but letting go is not the same as forgetting. That was a a real moment in writing. You've heard me <laughs> complain about the intro monologues before. Yeah. But I heard that and I was like, those two thoughts are not connected. They're not connected. Those are not related. They're really just trying to make some things mesh. When yeah. Yeah. They're like, how many deep-sounding words can we jumble together in a couple sentences (laughs) so that you, like, feel like we're gonna get into some stuff, but we didn't actually say anything. Right. So, like we said, this one fills in a lot of what we already know Mm -hmm. from the previous episode. We're doing a lot of, like, recapping here. But we're picking up right where we left off with the Amber Alert situation, and we find out that Amy was actually at Edna's house all night and Edna just didn't call them because it was late and she was like whatever and then so she shows up and she's like Amy's at my house and everyone's pissed because she didn't tell them. Can I tell you the other thing that seemed insane to me about this? Uh huh. It's insane to me first of all that she wouldn't have called no matter how late it was but second of all it would have been a lot more believable if what they had said was like Amy told me she was coming over so I didn't call not I didn't call because it was late and I thought it'd make things worse. Right. In what world Edna? Do you believe that they are going to discover their child missing and not do something about it? Right. But okay. <laughs> so Rose is really pissed at Amy. Again, having stuff to do. And so Rose tells her, you can either come home and be grounded or you can go live with Edna. And Edna's like, uh, what now? <laughs> <laughs> so now they have a new roommate. And Mm -hmm. Irv is not happy. I'm with Irv, frankly. Oh, truly. And Edna's like, I don't know, parenting, not my strong suit, gonna try again, I guess. (laughs) And 
there's like a whole bunch of different family meetings it feels about this situation so many family meetings and in the meantime like the abbott household is like super frosty rose is mad at harold because he's like so preoccupied with the amy situation and she's like there's other people in this house mm-hmm. um she calls him a patronizing bastard and that's a good Which moment i've loved i want yeah. that i don't this is not a thing but i want that moment cross-stitched somewhere <laughs> Not like the, not the line. I want the feeling of watching her shout that at him. Yeah. On a cross-stitch pillow. And she tells him that the marriage is not going to survive if he keeps undercutting her. Which, good on her, so... Burn it down, Rose. Harold has this, like, threat of divorce hanging over his head now. So, there's, like, another family meeting... And Harold tells everyone that he supports Rose's, like, hard stance on this, which is, like, ooh, shocking. Mm-hmm. So now he's back in her good graces. Ish. I guess. That's basically it on that front. Um, we have a patient of the week. Yeah. Which just help. Uh, it's yeah. a woman... <laughs> She's doing IVF with her dead husband's sperm, and also she has a new live husband. Who also wants to have babies and is feeling inadequate because she only wants to have this dead sperm baby. Right, because she promised that she would. She promised him. And that I guess that's the through line, is like, she yeah. made this promise to him, and Andy made this promise to Delia, and mm-hmm. I guess some abbot made a promise to some other abbot. Unclear. Unclear. But the only thing I could think about is that while I know that the original idea for the show was like an abortion rights show, I don't understand why the final iteration of it was so obsessed with reproductive storylines. <laughs> so obsessed. There's so much like IVF in this I know. story. This is what the second, third time we've had an IVF plot. Third. I'm honestly shocked we haven't had an Octomom plot yet. No kidding. Because, like, that's coming, right? It's gotta be. I don't know. Um, Yeah. There's, like, nothing really comes of this whole thing, except for that she has to choose between her current husband and her dead husband. Octomom was 2009. Sorry. Okay, so we're not there yet. Not there. Um, She chooses no baby. Yep. And that's it. Well, she, she chooses not dead sperm baby. Right, 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 right. We don't know that it's no baby. True. So, last thing is just Linda stuff. Linda fallout. Well, okay, the the final moment to the dead sperm plot. <laughs> yeah, okay. Is that Andy and Ephraim hike a mountain together <laughs> to hurl the sperm across the canyon. Yeah. Because the woman asks Andy to destroy it for her. Yeah. Specifically in that spot, though. Yes. For reasons. And they just hurled the whole canister, which I think is buck wild. <laughs> yeah, it's littering, I think, but. <laughs> and it's not like a remote mountain, it's a ski resort. Like, there's a chair yeah. behind them. Yeah. So I mean, they hike that. all the way to the summit. Like, you, they didn't bushwhack their way up there in the winter. No. Like, that's a hiking trail. Yeah, yeah it sure is. <laughs> okay, so Linda Fallout. Since Andy broke his promise about Linda. Delia's upset. She's, like, icing him out. And so Andy decides to take her camping. 
then they remember that they aren't outdoorsy and they don't like camping, so they go to a hotel, which apparently makes everything better because they have a little chat about how Delia feels like if she likes Linda, then she's, like, betraying her mom. And Andy's like, no, they're different. It's okay, you can have it all. And, um, that settles that. (laughs) But there's this really alarming section, which is that, like, Ephraim's having low-key Linda feelings, and Madison is, like, parenting him. And it freaks me out, man. It's not (laughs) great. It really freaks me out. It's not great. She's like, you know, you can talk to me. And they're, like, putting this right up against Andy talking to Delia, and I'm like, ooh. Yeah. No, thank you. She, like, she coaches him to realizing that he has Linda feelings and the plot twist because everyone's focus has been on Delia, is that Ephraim is also having a hard time processing his Linda feelings. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. so that's what Madison is, like, coaching him through. And so, yeah, she, like, snuggles up to him on the couch for movie night, and she's like, you know, you can talk to me about these things. It's totally normal to have these types of feelings. And then he's like, no, I don't have feelings. This is the one-sentence summary of my feelings, but that's nothing. And she's like, <laughs> you need to talk to your dad about it. And then she, like, cuddles him and is like, there's some things I can do to make you feel better. And it's like, no, no, no. (laughs) I can't, I can't take it. Unacceptable. It really freaks me out. That's the thing is, it's not just that they're, like, dating. They make them, like, weird. Yes, I know. Truly, so weird. truly icky. Yeah. So anyway, Ephraim tells Andy about his feelings about Linda and its character growth, which they say literally is growth, which is something. Yeah, they hike up the mountain and Ephraim's like, by the way, I'm having Linda feelings. And Andy's like, is this the first time you've told me your feelings unsolicited? Yeah. And Ephraim's like, yes. And then he throws the sperm off the mountain. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's father-son bonding. Yeah. That's literally it, guys. Yep. Nothing happening here, so... Yep. Let's just move right along. <laughs> episode 12. There's there's some stuff in episode 12. This is called Controlling Interest. Herb Jesus is basically set, talking about when you lose control and there's nothing you can do about it. Sure. Sure, sure. I just gotta get right into it, like, right yep. now. Yep. There's sexy Scrabble time. (laughs) Yeah. Which, frankly, I didn't know you could do this on TV in 2004. The word fondle is literally on the Scrabble board. The word fondle (laughs) is my bravo. (laughs) Bravo. (laughs) I didn't mean to steal your, your fondling thunder. No, it's it's perfect. (laughs) So Andy and Linda are playing Scrabble on the floor. First of all, you both are over the age of 40. No one's playing Scrabble on the floor. No, but they had to be on furs next to the fireplace because it is Hallmark Christmas. Yeah, they got that spinning Scrabble board and (laughs) they just drop in fondle. Andy's like busy actually playing Scrabble and Linda's busy putting sexy Scrabble words on the board. And then when she realizes he doesn't get it, she's like, flip, vondle. 
<laughs> and he's like, are you propositioning me? <laughs> and she's like, yes. And he's like, I gotta go. Bye. Bye. He's like, oh, it's bedtime. Bye. Yeah. We'll come back to that. I just <laughs> had to just dive right in yeah. there. No, that is valid. The other, like, opening scene is Ephraim and Madison on a movie date at a theater far away in which he can't buy tickets because he's under the age of 18 and he's not with a parent or guardian. You know, I didn't see that many like R-rated movies as a teenager, but can I just say that I never once had this experience? No. Like what movie was he trying to see? (laughs) I think he says it. I don't recall what it is now, but it's like, (laughs) okay. Sure, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. So we're setting up some, like, awkwardness and um, insecurity, I guess, about their, what's happening in their sort relationship. Sort of, like, and, general discord and tension. Yeah. And how it looks from the outside and how mm-hmm. it feels from the inside. It's just a lot happening. Ugh. Anyway. Ugh. So there's also, I don't even know, this flood is all over the place. I'm going to do patient of the week first. Okay. Great. Because that, that, like, culminates in a lot of things. Okay. Patient of the Week is a wrestler who's trying to make weight and has a eating <laughs> disorder. God. And that actor is Ephraim's brother. Oh, really? Which is really weird to me. Oh, that's yeah. funny. I wouldn't have guessed. No. But the, he's he's equally awkward. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a whole thing with Dr. Brown trying to intervene about this eating disorder situation. And there's a big wrestling match that is, like, happening. That's all you need to know. And the entire town is, like, inappropriately obsessed with this, like, teenage boy who's gonna, like, go to state for the first time ever, apparently. Yeah. So, yeah. Ephraim and Madison. What's happening here? Um, Madison's embarrassed to be seen in public with Ephraim. He's, like, trying to bring her out in public to, like, show her off. Mm -hmm. It's all kind of toxic and disgusting. They go to the wrestling thing, and Madison's prom date is Ephraim's Spanish teacher. It's all very awkward. My favorite part of them running into her old prom date is that, which maybe I'm jumping ahead, but then she and Ephraim get into this big fight about it later. Yeah. Because she pretended to essentially, like, low-key not know Ephraim in front of this teacher guy, and Ephraim's, like, mad about it. And right. Madison's like, he has a legal mandate to report anything. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Cool and great. Like, you're already engaging with this. Just live with it or don't. Or don't. Or don't. This constant, like, back and forth is just like. Yeah. That's not even the only time they go back and forth this episode. No. Because he basically keeps being like, are you embarrassed of me? Blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And he's, she says, that she is ready to be in the relationship, but she's not ready for people to not be okay with them. Which means you're not ready. Right. And frankly, you shouldn't be. But also, <laughs> you can't say, you can't say, like, I'm okay with it. I'm just not okay with judgment. Because then that means you're not okay. Right. And Ephraim tells her that they can't stay in the bubble forever. And just, like, how little you knew in 2003 about the bubble, my friends. Truly. Truly. But, yeah, that's, like, literally it for them, is, like, their ongoing drama. Is this also the one where he goes to the library? 
He does go to the library, I think. Okay, so this is not what made the final cut for my Bravo, but it was on my list of potential Bravos. Okay. So he tries to set up a study date with her, and she's like, oh, no, I, um, and, like, weasels out of it. And so he knows that she's going to be at the college library, so he, like, steals some guy's ID Uh to get into the library, and he goes and, like, ambushes her, and when she sees him sitting down at the table, she, like, looks around and goes, what are you doing here? And he goes, proving a point. And she's still, like, looking around over his head, and his point is basically, like, you're looking around to see who can see us. And it's like, yeah, dude, because you just stalked a college student down in her college library, and you're Mm -hmm. a 16-year-old boy. Right. (laughs) Like, there are reasons other than just, like, the interrelational drama of her being embarrassed by you for her to be, like, freaked out that you're there. Right, right. So, that yeah, that's that with them. But yeah, that's that. And then they have the same conversation they've had 45 times. Yes. And yeah, that's the end of that. Let's see. Uh, We can can close out Andy and Linda, too. Yeah. Linda keeps trying to be like, let's have a date. And Andy's like, work, 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 work. Because this wrestler has bulimia and I must be the savior to fix it. He pulls his classic BS of, like, getting all up in everyone's stuff and, like, going to people's houses and having conversations that no one asked for. Right. And Linda thinks that he's avoiding her because of her HIV. And he's like, no, I'm not. It's just really important that I single-handedly cure this guy's bulimia. Right. And so she gets, like, kind of, like, starts fighting with him over it. And he's like... He calls her Julia, and he's like, will you just stop it, Julia? Yeah, that's what made the final cut for my Bravo. That's your Bravo? When he, because tr- it's because of the whole thing. So they're fighting, and they're getting more intense. Yeah. And then he just, like, looks down, and he goes, oh, would you just stop, Julia? <laughs> and, it, and, you know, it's like, I see what you did there. No one asked for it. Yep. It's only partially tangentially related. <laughs> Nice art, though. (laughs) Nice art, though. There's a lot of art in this episode. (laughs) Is nice art, though, the episode title? (laughs) Actually. (laughs) Yeah, nice art, though. Um, Yeah, so then he has to go back and apologize. And he basically says, like, yes, I've been avoiding you. But it's because he's worried about the, like commitment of it all Mm -hmm. and it's been a while and then supposedly it's bone zone time i think the the only thing i'll add to it is that when they're having this conversation he says something about how like she's right he's like you're right i'm hiding behind my medicine and she's like because i have a diagnosis that scares you and this was like the third time in recent episodes that she at some point has said, but I have a diagnosis. And I was like, but I have a diagnosis is the new, but you're 16. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the episode title? (laughs) (laughs) That very satisfying pen click you just heard was Kelsey taking notes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. 
<laughs> anyway, um, so they get for printing my notes. <laughs> so, Amy, we have not discussed yet. So she's still living with the grandparents, and there's a lot of conversations about boundaries. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do about boundaries? Because she keeps looking for the cordless. She's kind house. of an entitled jerk. She keeps trying to just come and go as she pleases without, like, telling anyone anything, even though she's using their car. Right. She doesn't knock on a single door. No. And she always needs the cordless. Always needs the cordless. <laughs> and we get the eventuality that you always get with this storyline, which is she walks in on them doing it. <laughs> just just going to town. <laughs> And we get a conversation, which honestly was my runner-up mm-hmm. for Bravo. Edna tries to talk to her about it. She gets her her own phone. And she's like, about what you saw, you should actually be encouraged. <laughs> I'm your future. Yeah. So this was going to be my Bravo, but we're going to come back to it in Pinecoats. Okay. Spoiler alert. I just feel like that was some, like, real sex positivity for 2003, right? Honestly, of all of the really buck-wild conversations that have taken place recently, that was the first one that I was like, feels like comes from a place of reality. And where I think the adult kind of had a point. Yep. Which is like, chill out. Old people are allowed to bone down, too. Yep. And if you think it's gross, then start knocking on doors! Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, that was great. No complaints. Um, Harold is sad about Amy still. There's a whole thing with Bright and Amy fighting. Because Bright's mad because Amy doesn't live there anymore and it's, like, made his life hard. It's basically, like, Amy was always the favorite child and ruined Bright's life and now Amy's not there and it's still ruining Bright's life. Yeah. So then they try to do an art where they sh- at the wrestling match because Bright and Tommy get into a fight and then there's also the wrestling match going on. So they keep like interspersing the two cuts of like the wrestling match and then Bright and Tommy fighting in the wrestling match and then Bright and Tommy fighting. And it's like, again, nice art. Art. Nice art, though. Nice art. Though. And then they like call the match at the moment when like the weary guidance counselor comes to break up the fight or like however the fight ends. <laughs> I think that's how the fight ends, but I could be wrong. No, the Spanish teacher comes to break up the fight. It's the Spanish teacher, yes. It's the Spanish teacher. But then, yeah, the next day we find out Bright's suspended for fighting, so that impacts his college um, applications. And more importantly, I was, like, really excited to see the beleaguered guidance counselor come back. I know, I like the beleaguered guidance counselor. He's the one who reminds me of the She Drove Me Here guy. (laughs) He's, like, this close. Absolutely. He's, like, just as unhinged. Totally unhinged. Yeah. He really works in that same octave of, like... Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. That, this, from our last block of episodes, that, like, tirade he goes on on Bright when Bright presents the really bad essay is big. She drove me here energy. She drove me. (laughs) She drove me here. (laughs) (laughs) all right one more we can do it we can do it this is a lot guys episode 13 forget me not herb jesus says there's nothing like being young and in love 
And sometimes we become so blinded by love that we forget everything, even ourselves. Do we? Well, both Andy and Ephraim do, apparently. Apparently. This is the second episode in a row where we do some, like, real parallel storytelling with Andy and Ephraim. The first one was the last episode because they do this whole thing where, like, they're both in the doghouse with their girlfriends and then they're Mm. both happier with their relationship by the end. Yeah, yeah. And Amy also forgot who she was because of love in this episode. So yeah. Right. Right. There's a lot of that happening. So I just I wanna say for the record that we are both people who ended up with our like young adult <laughs> slash teenage love interests. Yep. And so I feel like we in particular have some authority on the matter here. Yeah. Thus all of the eye rolling, for me at least, in this yes. moment. Agreed. All right, I'm just gonna get Ephraim and Madison out of the way because they yes, suck. please. I'm so. T- this was I texted Kelsey on a side channel, and I referenced this earlier in this episode. But this is where I texted you and was like, "Some plots can go. They gotta go. Can go. Can go. Take yeah. a long leap off a short cliff. Is that the saying? Something like that. Something like that. Anyway. Um. So Ephraim writes Madison a song. It's so cringy, and he's being super, like, genuine about it, which makes it worse. Yeah, he's so earnest and has, like, no ability to read the room on this one. No, none. I mean, he he can tell she's, like, feeling cringe about it, but he doesn't seem to understand why it would be cringe. Right. So they have all this, like, awkwardness, and she says she's going to show it to the band and then... Ephraim finds out that she did not, in fact, show it to the band. Why did he even want it to go to the band? Like, why didn't he want to preserve that as something for just the two of them? I don't know, because he's 16. Ugh. So she admits that the song was embarrassing. And they, like, have another one of their conversations about whether or not, like, she's embarrassed by him and he's being insecure. And then she makes it up to him eventually by adding lyrics to the bad song. And Ephraim's like, okay, no, this is actually a bad song. And then she basically tells him that he's overeager. Well, she tells him that she he's overeager, but she also... Like, this, this made me wonder if this episode was written by somebody who, when they were 16, self-identified as a nice guy. Mm. Because... She's both, like, you're over-eager and also essentially saying that, like, no guy has treated her this way before and so she doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah. And, like, I think it would have been better and more believable if she had just kind of left it at, like, you're kind of being dramatic, dude. Cool it. Right. We've been dating for, like, two weeks. Right. Be casual. Right. So speaking of being casual and cool after, like, a small amount of dating... God. Um, Amy and Tommy are celebrating their one month anniversary. Which is insane. And Amy gets Tommy a record and like puts together a gift basket and tries to surprise him and bring it to his house. And so she shows up at the address and it's a trailer park and she gets uncomfortable and she leaves. I don't understand, because she does know enough about Tommy to know his home life is bad, so why did she think showing up to his house would be okay? I don't know. 
<laughs> All I could think in this moment was to say she's grieving. <laughs> <laughs> not our podcast. <laughs> it's a good joke. A very good joke. Um, so she gives him his gift at her house or at um the grandparents' house because that's where yeah. she's still living, wherever she lives now. And Tommy gets Amy a BlackBerry, which is just a bold gift for a, real a vibe. month anniversary in. 2003. Yep. So, yeah, lots lots of Blackberry placement in this episode. And she's awkwardly like, you can't afford this. I mean, no one our age can afford this. And it's like, honestly, both questions are valid. <laughs> yes. For foreshadowing, that will become clear later. Right. So then, later on, Tommy finds out that she had actually shown up to his house because she talked to his mom briefly, and he's really pissed about it like so mad like big big mad he's like you were not invited to my house you can't just come to my house and he comes back later and apologizes and he goes to amy he goes have you ever been called white trash trash. (laughs) and there's this lot of like um exposition about how he helps to pay the bills and his family doesn't have a lot of money and he's embarrassed by his life and that's why he didn't want her to show up at his house. And she's like, you don't have to be embarrassed, but no, I've never been called white trash. She's like, you don't have to be embarrassed, but also I did walk up and see a trailer and panic, so. Right. She's like, no big deal, but also. But also. That's like really it with Amy and Tommy, but there is a note that I want to include, which is that Ephraim sees Tommy with Madison's band. <laughs> and we find out that Tommy's told Amy that he's been working at the pharmacy. And Ephraim knows that that's not true. Mm-hmm. doesn't say anything. And also, like, Tommy's using the Blackberry to, like, tell her when to meet up with him at the pharmacy. And we talked about this with Colin towards the end of Colin's whole journey. But I feel like we're back in a space where there are, like, Amy relationship safety red flags. And no one is catching them. Yeah. Also, we we have the introduction of Tommy's beeper, and beepers are, like, yes. code for drug dealer. Yes. And I, I have a gripe about this that's, like, part gripe and not really prediction, but, like, I just have some beef with the, the different possibilities where, where, where his story could be going. Okay. Let's, let's. Let's pause. Yeah, we can table that. I just, this was like, this, the moment where Ephraim sees him with the band, I was like, all right, sure. (laughs) Okay, so we do get Ephraim and Amy together, which is something we haven't seen in a while. Yeah. They have to do extra credit for Spanish together, so that forces them to hang out. Yep. And... Amy asks Ephraim if Madison ever actually saw the Beatles play, which I thought was funny. Yeah. And they sort of have a fight about how Ephraim's been a bad friend. Amy's mad about the Tommy thing, and she takes it out on Ephraim, and she tells Ephraim that he's been a bad friend, she's had a really hard year, and he hasn't been there for her. Which is just absolutely buck wild. Like, I'm (laughs) sorry, but Amy Abbott, who do you really think you are? It's a loaded question, Kirstie. <laughs> I guess that is the whole theme of the episode, ain't it? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But then they make up. 
Yep. Other, like, C-plot that we can address quickly is that Amy misses her dad's birthday. Yes. And they spend so much time just to say that Amy forgets about his birthday. So much time. So much time. But let's let's now talk about, like, Andy and his missing neighbor. Oh, my God. Who we were about to put out an Amber Alert for, though she's not a child. (laughs) Missing child. (laughs) Although, by the end of this episode, there will be a missing child. (laughs) Yes, I I suppose so. For, like, three seconds, yeah. So, uh, Andy is, like, really getting into the swing of things with Linda. He's trying to make her her, like, weird food, and (laughs) there is some good stuff. Where he's making bulgur wheat, and Delia calls it bulgur wheat. (laughs) Which is accurate. Not wrong. That is correct. This is an anti-bulgur podcast. (laughs) And meanwhile, Nina is back. She's been literally not been on an episode in like 10 episodes. It was so funny because like last episode, I was like, where is Nina? (laughs) And then she like comes back for a featurette. Yeah. So she still has an insane child. Like, to his credit, mm-hmm. I don't think it's the writing. I think it's the child actor. The child actor. <laughs> but um, she brings her kid to get a flu shot with Dr. Abbott and not Dr. Brown. Because Dr. Brown's been really busy and he doesn't have time for her. And Dr. Abbott's always there. And so, like... This child's delivery of his lines, like, he gets his flu shot and he gets a lollipop and he's like, I want grape. No, cherry. (laughs) 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 He understood the assignment. (laughs) I guess. Uh, It's just bizarre to me. Like, it doesn't feel like he ages. Like, their time has passed and this child has not grown This child's still, like, three and just losing his mind. Yeah. And so we learn that um, Nina's gotten a second job telemarketing, and she tells Harold about her divorce. And Harold's like, Andy's a bad friend. (laughs) (laughs) And Nina's like, I don't know. And he's like, no, he is. And Harold tells Andy that he's been a bad friend. And so Andy shows up with apology chicken. (laughs) And Nina's like, you can shove that chicken where the sun don't shine. And she's correct. She's correct. She's correct. That was the correct reaction. Yeah, and she's like, Andy basically, his stance is like, well, I always ask you for things when I need things, so I thought you'd ask me for things. And she's like, no. (laughs) I did like that Harold directly called Andy out on, like, how much he took advantage of her for babysitting, too. Yes, absolutely. Because that had gone, like, unnoticed. I think the only thing that's, like, accurate about her disappearing is, like, I'm sure that she disappeared because of scheduling conflicts or something Mm -hmm. with the actress, but the thing that's accurate about it is the way in which Andy would have low-key forgotten her. Oh, yeah. As he, like, starts dating and hires an actual babysitter. And then it's like, oh, well, I guess she'll find me if she needs me, instead of, like, ever bothering to knock on the door. Right. They have a fight. Linda uh, later tells Andy that he totally messed up his pizza offering. Yep. And she's correct. She makes some joke about not bribing people with chicken, which is, like, an obvious but good line. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, <laughs> I'm reminded of the episode of Below Deck that I watched recently where the guests were like, chicken is what poor people eat. We don't eat chicken. <laughs> Bribe people with steak, Sandy Brown. But (laughs) anyway, um, while Linda's over, we see Sam, crazy child, steal Nina's car keys while she's sleeping. He gets she's like so exhausted from her thousand jobs that she falls asleep on the couch. Yeah, and so he gets in the car and crashes the car across the street, and they hear it, and. Andy grabs his coat before he runs out, and I'm like, where do you think you were going where you needed your jacket? Like, Yeah, right? <laughs> it was like 20 feet away from your house. I'm, um, I, every time I see this episode, I'm surprised that they don't make that like a cliffhanger. I know, me too. I absolutely thought that was going to be the end of it, and then they come back from commercial break, and I was like, oh, okay. Oh, there's more. <laughs> sure, I guess. We can do this. Right. So Sam is fine, mostly, and Andy's sorry. I was big mad at this scene. Tell me more. I was so, so mad. So Andy goes to the ER and he's like somehow back there with the doctors while Nina is in the waiting room. Yeah. Which is a vibe. Mm -hmm. Like, sure, sure. Like big man doctor gets to go be with doctor instead of mother of child. Sure, sure. So he, like, comes out to, like, deliver the news of his, like, prognosis. And she's, like, sobbing. And she's, like, all worried. And Andy's, like... He, like, very slowly delivers the news that it's just, like, a small fracture. Yeah. Because they gotta build up the drama. And then they're like, oh, he's fine. Oh, just kidding. He has a concussion, so they're gonna keep him overnight. And then she says something like, I shouldn't have let this happen. And then he says something like how he shouldn't have let it happen or something like that. And then the whole thing just turns into the Andy Brown show. Yeah, totally. Where he's just like, I've been a bad friend. And I thought you would come find me when you needed something. But a friend just like takes care of their friends. And I, if I should have helped you more, and if I were helping you more then Sam wouldn't have stolen your keys and broken his whole brain. And (laughs) Nina is, like, into it. She, like, appreciates it. And, like, I don't know. I feel like if I were in that kind of high-stress situation and someone came to me and was like, look, I've been a really bad friend to you, and here are all (laughs) the things I wish I had done differently, I would be like, stop talking. I could (laughs) not care less about you right now. Right? Like, you go do anything else anywhere else. Save it for your therapist. (laughs) Right now is me time. Bye. 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 Yeah, for her, like, lack of tolerance of it, like, a few hours prior. Yeah. It's like, now she's vulnerable and suddenly she's like, yes, please tell me more about yourself. Right. (laughs) And she's like, go be with Linda. And he's like, I'm going to stay here with my friend. I'm going to stay here with my friend. I was like, I would have kicked him in where the sun don't shine. (laughs) I would have kicked him where he put his chicken. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so that that is, uh, that's where we end this set of episodes. Ugh. Do you want to talk about the other things that you wanted to address? 
I feel like we got to most of it mm-hmm. in one way or another. I'm like very concerned that no one else is concerned about Amy's relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm very baffled by what they want to do with Tommy. Mm-hmm. They're clearly doing a foreshadowing in Red Herring. But I can't decide if he's going to turn out to be less sketchy than they want you to believe or if it's going to be as sketchy as they want you to believe, but for a good reason. Mm. And either way, I kind of want nothing to do with any of it. Okay. And then the only other, like, small gripe I had is that we didn't really touch on this, but in the Harold birthday episode, Amy leaves, like, an apology card under the door. And... It's her sort of apologizing for missing his birthday. And it's this whole long narrative where she's like, yeah, I really haven't been myself. And like stuff's been hard and murmur, murmur. And there's multiple times where Harold's reading the card where he looks around in surprise and starts walking meaningfully through the hallways. And I think they missed a huge opportunity by not revealing dramatically that Amy's in her bedroom and that that was the birthday gift. Oh. Was her coming back home. I, I, when he picks up the card, he like picks it up and looks all around and then he like reads it and looks all around and then he like walks up to Rose and hands it to her meaningfully and they look all around. And I was like, certainly her realizing she forgot her dad's birthday is going to be like her coming home Hmm. or like her wake up call. And -hmm. then she didn't come home. And I was like, okay, who is this for then? That would have been such a good reveal. No, you're right. You're right. And also, why are we dragging this out any longer? We are dragging it out. Because that would have been the same episode where she walked in on Irv and Edna. And so that should have been like her all around wake up call that it was time for her to go home. Mm. Anyway, I'm still mad about it. And then the last thing I'm mad about is that we spent like I was just reminded of this because we just released our first episode of the season where the whole thing is just like a bunch of episodes about college admissions. Yeah. And it's like, we've now done, what, 13, no, 10 episodes, because the Uh first three were all about college, and now the next 10, no one's talking about college anymore. No. And so what was the point of spending so much time setting up the season to be about college? The only person who talked about college was Bright. And it only came up fleetingly when he had the fight with Tommy. So... I'm sh- I know it'll come full circle again, but I'm just annoyed about it for the time being because we've spent so much time on these <laughs> other things that I don't want. And so it's like we spent all this time setting up this plot and now we're spending uh-huh. so much time distracted by this other plot and like, edit. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like a good segue into my first question for you. Okay. Which is like, okay, we're halfway through season two. Yeah. Do you feel like soured on Everwood at this point? Or you, Weirdly, do you feel like no. it's not the same? Okay. Weirdly, the show has kept me. I can't explain it. Makes mm-hmm. no sense. You know, Everwood and I could have a fireside couch talk about us <laughs> at this point because it makes so little sense. And yet I keep coming back. Do you need the therapy van to come up? <laughs> But I am mad at it. Um, right, right. I do think I do think it's pulling some nonsense. Mm-hmm. And I do think that the beauty of peak TV, as we understand it now, is that this would not have been potentially this long of a season. And I think that would have been better for it. Mm-hmm. I think, well, 
maybe the issue isn't how long the season is, but the choices that they made within that episode length. Mm. They didn't have to choose to, like, to circle the runway on these things for as long as they did. It, it is, like, dragged out. They really, they did not need to make it four episodes on this mm-hmm. particular set of topics. Mm-hmm. They could have chosen, I mean, literally, an, two episodes ago, we had a mine explosion. They could have chosen <laughs> anything. Mm-hmm. They built a lighthouse. They built a lighthouse. <laughs> that was only four episodes ago, and then built somehow. A she drove me here. <laughs> And somehow, in the same town where we built a lighthouse, then all we've been able to do is this. Yeah. So, I'm not soured on it. I don't really know where it's taking me. I don't know what it wants from me or itself at this point. Mm-hmm. And I do wish that we could move things along a little bit. That's fair. Do you have any, like, predictions for what's to come in this, like, second half? Or do you not feel safe to <laughs> in okay so i have to imagine so this is less predictions and more just what like i feel like has to happen in order for the any plot to be sustainable into season three okay because season three has to have space for new material right mm-hmm. so obviously madison and ephraim are gonna have to break up and tommy and amy are gonna have to break up and they've already planted the seeds for ephraim and amy to kind of reunite whether that's Mm -hmm. as a couple or just as friends Mm -hmm. but we're gonna start putting them back into space together and it's gonna be more will they won't they (laughs) kirstie's favorite It's frustrating, too, because it's like we're doing this will-they-won't-they between Amy and Ephraim, but also Amy and Ephraim are in relationships, and both relationships are doing a will-they-won't-they. Like, Everwood wants to do all this dating, and then also (laughs) wants every character who's dating to be in a will-they-won't-they. Yes. Date or don't date. I don't care, but choose one. (laughs) I mean, do you even want... Amy and Ephraim to be a will-they-won't-they at this point, or no? No, I, no. I don't love them as a couple, but I know it's inevitable. Okay. Like, we don't have a choice in the matter, right? Like, the show decided (laughs) that in the pilot. I mean, I'm not here to tell you if you're right or wrong. I mean, it's the only outcome. It doesn't necessarily mean they'll still be together when the show ends, but there will Mm -hmm. be a moment where they'll date. It's inevitable. Okay, okay. And no one needs it. So, um, I think I already sort of said this, but I think there's going to be some back and forth nonsense with Tommy because they're, they're laying a lot of space for red herrings. I just can't decide which direction those red herrings are going right now. Mm -hmm. So he's either going to be like guy with a heart of gold who is slightly misunderstood or like guy who's doing exactly what you think he's doing, but for different reasons, for complicated reasons, and he's still mm-hmm. kind of a good guy. Or like mm-hmm. maybe he'll either that or like the third option is that he'll just turn out to be super abusive to Amy and mm-hmm. she'll have to get out of the situation. Mm-hmm. Not interested in any of the three for what it's worth. Okay. okay. There was like a moment where I thought the Tommy stuff might be interesting and then I was like, never mind, I am not interested. <laughs> It was about when the blackberries got introduced where I was mm. like, bye. No. no. I'm also like really not interested in the Andy and Linda stuff. Mm. Okay. Why? Because they're not going to stay together either. Okay. They're not meant to be together forever. Why? 
Because he's going to end up with Nina eventually. Okay. (laughs) That's also inevitable. Okay. But also, I feel like they've just... First of all, it's too early in the series run. I know it's ultimately halfway, but at the time that they wrote season two, they didn't know it was halfway. Uh They were, I'm sure, imagining at least, like, a little bit more than four seasons. Yeah. And so, almost no show commits its characters in season two or at least not the way that (laughs) Linda and andy are set up at least not the way they're set up now i'm just Um, saying that ben wyatt showed up in season two (sighs) but they felt inevitable linda and andy don't feel inevitable i mean they like an incredible thesis to write someday they felt today It felt inevitable (laughs) that they would hook up, but it does not feel like they are meant to be together forever. Okay. That would be a really good thesis, and I want to think about that some more. I do, too. So uh, they're going to break up at some point. I think if for no other reason than they've just said, like, I have a diagnosis too many times, and, (laughs) like, I suspect Linda's going to leave town again at some Mm, point. Okay. I don't know. I just, I think, like... This might be a question back to you, but you've said before that season two sets up everything that happens next. And so I just feel like there's a lot of people and plots that we have to burn through quickly in season two to get people to a certain stage of character growth. So that in season three, I guess the relationships that they were ultimately working towards can start to come together to then be resolved in season four. The tracks. I can't tell you if you're right or not. <laughs> That's where my head is at, at least. I'm following your logic. Yes. Yeah, I think, like, looking at the next three episodes, like, the our three episodes, so the whole rest of the season, I yes. feel like pace is going to ramp up. Thank goodness. And there's a lot to get through and i'm really excited about every single block that we have left there are going to be some like full pivots happening when you say excited i'm excited (laughs) (laughs) i'm excited there's gonna be so much screaming ahead (laughs) i think i've screamed so much already i'm gonna have to do a wellness check at least once or twice is what oy, i'm gonna say here oy, oy. <laughs> i don't know um, i honestly don't know if i have any more screaming left in me you do you do i did so much screaming in these last two blocks like i honestly i don't obviously i don't know what's coming but like whatever they're gonna do is gonna be some bs and i feel like i'm like resigned to it at this point like sure whatever let the chaos wash over me i have no fight left in me (laughs) i've suppressed this screaming for 19 years or whatever (laughs) (laughs) like you need me to have the screaming i need to scream (laughs) it'll it's no longer kirstie screaming corner it's now kelsey screaming corner (laughs) we're we're gonna have a meltdown we might need i don't know i'm not ready for like the fallout are you gonna be able to not break embargo (laughs) Oh, yes. We've been really towing the embargo line. Like, Kelsey was sending me messages about uh, saying, like, help when she was doing her watching. I was. It was like I didn't remember parts of this and I was alarmed. And it's it's different at this age. It is different at this age. 
and this moment in time versus that moment in time. I'm really excited to do our season two wrap, honestly, because I think there's stuff we haven't had a chance to get into. Yeah. That sort of touches on the like then and now of it all. Yeah. Um, My last question for you Mm. is, are there any like arcs, people, elements that have been like stood out to you or like things that you think have been positive changes, elements the rose stuff and i you know i really hesitate to talk about bright too much because of the chris pratt of it all yeah and i think overall they don't totally know how to utilize bright but i do think bright has some good moments and i think they're i you know i can't discount the bright stuff entirely Mm. so i think bright and rose both have some like really interesting moments in this block yeah yeah and I was excited to see them having that opportunity to, like, express some things. Because I think they're both people who just, like, I don't know, got stuck in in the undertow almost of, like, all of the other Abbott ambitions. Yeah. And now this is kind of, those ambitions are falling apart a little bit. And they're both having this moment to sort of, like, rise back up to the surface and be like, F you, I have my own wants and desires. (laughs) Yeah. It's good. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah. I think you'll see both of those, like, continue to grow. I hope so. Mm-hmm. I want good things for them both, weirdly. But not for Chris Pratt. No good things for Chris Pratt. I don't want good things for Chris Pratt. We are separating the art from the artist yeah. in the case of Bright Abbott. <laughs> we are. <laughs> um. <laughs> Chris Pratt has been that. in the news cycle the last couple days, and I don't know why, and I don't care to find out. I know why. I don't want to know. You do want to know a little bit, but... Okay. Well, I'll let you tell me, but I'll be mad about it. It's just one Instagram screenshot you have to read. Oh, God. But Chris Pratt sucks. Chris Pratt sucks. Okay, so let's... Let me, let me preview briefly the next three <laughs> episodes we're going to watch, which okay. are 14, 15, and 16. We are going to get, obviously whatever next step may be in our, like, three romantical plot lines. No thanks. No thanks. <laughs> our three will-they-won't-they's within will-they-won't-they's. No thanks. Oh, no. Wait, <laughs> oh, no. Um, we're gonna spend a lot of time in the bone zone. Oh, no. <laughs> and we're getting... The return of James Earl Jones. Oh, hey, buddy. Mm-hmm. He's a good friend. I was happy to have him here. Yeah, I'm glad to have him come back. And I do think college is going to come up again. Okay. I mean, I know I we're going to get back to it. I'm just, like, frustrated because, like, mm-hmm. while all these people have been running around having stupid conversations about their dumb relationships, it's like, meanwhile, you're still supposed to be getting into college, so. <laughs> but he's 16. If you could, like, pull your head out for, like, three minutes. <laughs> Unreal. Andy, Andy's too busy being a friend and a boyfriend to deal with his children, okay? Unreal. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say about this set, but this set is going to... It'll answer some of the questions you have. And I'm so excited. 
If there are any Outlander book readers who happen to listen to this podcast, if, wow. if you can cut. just... Yeah, it's a real deep cut. Um, if there's, like, some way, if you can let me know if this is the same amount of screaming as a coda in three parts, that would be great. What does that mean? <laughs> I just need to know what to mentally brace myself for, is all. I'm, sc- I'm scared of what to brace myself for now. <laughs> No one's ready for what kind of trauma they're going to inflict on me. (laughs) Also, Kelsey does not read the Outlander books, so no spoilers. I read until I couldn't handle it anymore. (laughs) A confirmation of yes-no is is sufficient because I know what it means. Okay. (laughs) Well, this is is good stuff. I'm excited. I'm so excited for this back half of the season. I'm so alarmed. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. No, you're not ready. You're not ready. This is not... You know, to answer an earlier question you had, this is, like, not... Uh, I, I mean, it is, but it's, like, somehow not quite the Everwood I signed up for. No, it's not. It definitely took a, a turn at some point here. I'm not saying that's, like, an inherently bad thing. It's just what happened. I feel like it could be the Everwood you signed up for again someday. I... You know, but I it, don't want to say that with so much confidence. <laughs> this is a, a somewhat uninformed opinion, having never like really watched it. But I'm getting similar vibes to Friday Night Lights season two during the writer strike, mm-hmm. which this is not as unhinged, but I feel like it's a similar thing where for like a hot minute they just had to go off the rails. Yeah, yeah. Before they could kind of come back together. Yeah, yeah. you're not wrong, and I do love that. That's a cultural <laughs> reference that people can make without ever seeing it. <laughs> it's so funny to me. <laughs> but you're not wrong. It's just the the feeling I get. I told you season two was wild. It is wild. And if the rest of the show isn't this unhinged, I don't know what to make of that. I think it probably makes room for better storytelling, but I'm also like, then why? Yeah. I would love to know what was happening in the writer's room at this time. Me too. I have just an infinite number of questions. Yeah. What wish fulfillment is this? Is my <laughs> first one. I, yeah. yeah Who I'm in the writer's concerned. room specifically was this for? Concerned, alarmed. <laughs> I, yeah. yeah. I'm, that's all I can say. Infinite alarm. Um, yeah, well, we're gonna go and watch more Everwood. Yeah. (laughs) And then we're gonna come back and record more. It's gonna be great. It'll be so great. In the meantime, stick around for our outro to hear where to find us. (laughs) (laughs) And rate and review us on Apple Podcasts if you want to. Yeah. That would be cool. And, uh, well, I guess see you next week for the beginning of the second half. (laughs) For the beginning of the screaming. For the beginning of the infinite scream. (laughs) The long scream. Yes. (laughs) Alright, thank you for listening. (laughs) Bye. Bye.
This has been the Everwood Pinecast. You can find us at Everwoodcast on Twitter, at our website, everwoodpinecast.com, or our email, everwoodpinecast at gmail.com. If you like the show, you should rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. It helps citizens of Everwood find the show. We have another podcast, Hate Watch With Us, which you can find as well as podcasts about other CW programming and more on the Thought Bubble Audio Network. You can find their shows at Thought Bubble FM on Twitter, thoughtbubbleaudio.com, and thoughtbubbleaudio at gmail.com. They also have a Patreon if you want to support our shows. Thanks for listening.